Welcome to the Garden of Belonging, a podcast that explores how we can more fully belong to ourselves. I'm your host, Kim K. Gray, a writer, life coach, homeschooling mom, and fellow human on this journey. Here in the Garden of Belonging, all of us belongs. Here we tend to all those parts we've hidden in hopes of fitting in, bringing forth the beauty that is our fullest selves. Let us journey together to more compassion for who we truly are and more courage to be that person. Today, I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Louise Warren. Louise is the founder of Rare Gem Creatives. She is a passionate creative mentor and singer-songwriter. Over the past decade, she has penned songs in the hundreds, performed at venues all over the Southeast, and opened for musicians like Chuck Leavell of Rolling Stones, Jimmy Hall, and Edwin McCain. Louise is a certified coach with both the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy and the Creativity Coaching Association, completing 100 plus hours coaching. Her vision with Rare Gem Creatives is to provide community and support for the people who long to live more creatively vibrant lives. This was a really fun conversation with Louise. We talked a lot about creativity, um, about how it can should be playful, and how, how we need self-trust and courage. Um, just really, really, really fun conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hi, Louise. Thank you for joining me on the Garden of Belonging podcast. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. So this season, I'm talking with folks about this idea of blooming bravely. When I say those words, what comes up for you and how does that show up in your life? Hmm. I think for me, um, the very first thing that that brings to mind is allowing yourself to unfold. Hmm which when I think of that, I definitely think of my journey with creativity, but also my journey um, with coaching and with therapy and all of the self-development that I've done in my life, because I do think you kind of take, take this baby step <laughs> in one direction and then things just kind of snowball. So I feel like blooming bravely to me is allowing yourself to just come out of hiding and be, be full in your expression of who you are, mm -hmm. which has been a huge part of my own journey. Yeah. I love that word unfolding. Like as, as soon as you said it, I was seeing like the way that the, the petals of a flower kind of unfold and open. Same. Like beautiful <laughs> image. I, and I really love how people use different words for that idea. You know, I've heard yeah. some people talk about like living, you know, my, one of my other guests talked about living unbound, like unbound was her word. Mm, I know I another person that. who uses, um, unraveled, you know, mm. and you have this unfolding and like, I just love all the different words and the different like energies and images they provoke. Right. Yeah. It is such a beautiful phrase. So you, you gave me good material to work with. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I just, I feel like when I think of unfolding, I just feel like it's the opposite of being, you know, tight in our buds, like that mm -hmm. quote, like the, the danger of staying tight in our, in our bud was, uh, greater than that of blooming. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm slaughtering that quote. That is not <laughs> verbatim. Um, but it's the, it's the general concept. So please, uh, 
please, dear listeners, look up the actual quote. Um, but I, I feel like the the main thing that I feel in that is that it's allowing allowing yourself to be yourself. And I think that's the journey that we are all on because we're not exactly taught that it's always safe to do that mm-hmm. in creativity or in life. Yeah. I think we got to get a lot of messages that it's not, you know, and that no. we should not <laughs> don't unfold because <laughs> in a multitude of ways, it's, yeah. you know, don't physically unfold because, you know, you're supposed to look this way and fit under these standards. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pursue the things that are maybe more so self-actualizing for you because that's not the practical path. You know, don't say what you really feel because you might upset somebody. That's a form of unfolding is just allowing yourself to feel safe to be seen and be and take up space. Yeah. When you unfold and bloom as a flower, I'm, I'm thinking of that flower visual again. <laughs> when you unfold, then that's you taking up more space than you did before. And I think a lot of us, especially women, are are terrified of that because we're taught that that is undesirable somehow for us to exist in the space that we deserve to exist in. Yes, totally. So speaking of that hiding, like, was there a time in your life where you felt like you were hiding and you were that tight bud? afraid to bloom and like what what was supportive to you in um breaking out of that and expressing yourself more fully I think there have been many different times that I felt that way um I think a lot of my journey has been as a very shy sensitive person getting more comfortable being being secure in taking up space and being secure and being myself. So I would say there's, you know, a multitude of times. I think I go through the cycle of asking myself the question, am I really allowing myself to relax here and be Mm -hmm. myself? Or am I trying to appear a certain way or control external perceptions or external ways of existing in this world? Um, And I think the thing that's always been supportive to me in that is whether or not I'm creating. Mm. It is always a a sign, I think, for me, (laughs) of mental wellness. If I am creating, I'm usually in a better place and I'm more comfortable with myself. It's it's my way of allowing myself to unfold and show up truly as who I am and just kind of hold space for all that that is and not judge it. When I'm doing it in my creative practice the best, that's what it feels like to me is that I'm holding complete and total space for myself and whatever wants to come out is safe and free to come out. I like that. What you said about um, the question of, am I the most relaxed in this space? I can't remember exactly what you said, but that idea of being relaxed and not controlling. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think that that's challenging, right? But it's a beautiful question. Yeah. It's a beautiful question. It's kind of the opposite um, of creativity to me is to be in control. Mm. <laughs> I think that we we tend to think that we got to buckle down and create and produce and make something and schedule it. And every single way that we tend to think of it in our society is by force. Every like, oh, you've got to get on a good schedule. You've got, and all of these things are supportive, but I think that the schedule only allows you to apply multiple times. Like, you know, say a moisturizer, <laughs> it's going to work better <laughs> if you apply it every day. 
days than if you apply it every other day, but I don't think of it as tightly um, restrictive as our standard ideas of what productivity is. I think what it actually is, is a safe space and time within a busy schedule that teaches you very much otherwise to let go and allow what needs to be seen and what needs to come out for you to come out for you. And that is a very rare thing um, that I don't think a lot of us um, make enough space for mm-hmm. in our day and in our society. I think that we could be a healthier society as a whole if that idea of releasing control was more prevalent mm. in our day-to-day lives. Yeah. So what does creativity mean to you in like, is it something that everyone has access to, or is it just those elite talented few? Um, you know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am passionate about my belief that it is not this, this form of elitism. Um, it drives me nuts when, when people push and peddle that idea that you have to be born with a certain talent to access creativity. Um, you know, obviously I think people have tendencies in their personalities and in their abilities, like what they're going to lean towards and what they're going to be most excited to learn. But that to me just pales in comparison to what creativity actually is, which is just, it's playing. Mm -hmm. And we all do that as kids. We all do it, you know, in our own ways. It doesn't matter if my version of play looks like your version of play. It's allowing us to make space in our minds. It's really mindfulness, in my opinion. I really think that it's just being present and allowing ourselves to see what what could go together, what could separate, um, how we could put on a different set of glasses and view something from a unique perspective. I think absolutely everybody in this world is creative. And creativity doesn't have to look like painting something, writing something, drawing something. It can look it can look as simple as coming up with a cure for a disease. Well, not simple. I don't <laughs> right. mean to, not simple. It can look as though as something like coming up with a cure for a disease or something as simple as what am I making for dinner tonight? And what ingredients do I have in my kitchen right now? And I think it's more so a process than it is a product. Mm-hmm. I, I hear this sense of curiosity in what you're sharing, you know, like curious, curiosity about like what wants to come through me, curiosity about the world. You know, I think in a lot of ways, humans are creative and that is how we have survived because we have tried things that others hadn't tried before, you know, and that's how we've had all this progress and and changes in our world, you know, and how we discover that this mushroom is edible and this one is very much not. <laughs> it's fascinating to me because I always wonder that. I'm like, how did we come up with this, this remedy? How did we know that this mushroom <laughs> is the one that tastes best with this? And it's just a lot of experimentation. Um, and luckily when you're working on something like a page or canvas or just playing around with thoughts and ideas, even about a business, the risk factor is so much lower than we tend to think it is. You know, if you eat a poisonous mushroom, then, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a high risk right there. Uh, yeah. But if you write the wrong word, wrong, quote unquote, or right. a word that doesn't fit 
for what you want to write with a song idea, the risks are, are very low. You just scratch it out and, and try again. And I think that our society doesn't really welcome that way of thinking, that do-over way of thinking or the, you know, forever chances mm-hmm. to get something. Like we kind of have this one shot mentality and it's, it's pushed in the creative world too. Um, you know, I think immediately of that uh, movie with Eminem, Eight Mile, where he's like, you've only got one, one shot. shot. One opportunity. I, I yeah. thought of that exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. So like you start like hearing that, that bass beat in your mind and you're like, I've only got one shot to do this. But the truth is the gift of creativity is that you don't, it's a practice. It's not a destination. You will never, ever, ever get there. I've never known a person to arrive at a sense of completion with their own creativity. If anything, they just find more things they want to work on and more things they want to do. And whether that's, and I mean that in terms of pursuing creativity from a business standpoint, and also from a, you know, a creation standpoint, you know, it doesn't matter if you've done something that you're really proud of in, in the business realm of, of creativity, you will always want more. And I think that that's a good thing to accept in that realm and a beautiful thing to recognize in the creation realm because it gives us a chance to get messy. Mm. I think that we, we come from a society where from a very young age, we are taught you know, this is your test and these tests produce scores and these scores produce, you know, grades and these grades produce, you know, future outcomes that are eternal and that you can never shake. And it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think that we tend to think of everything as very permanent, but the very definition of life itself is impermanence. And I think that that's why we are all entitled to creativity is because we are all human beings, we all experience things. And our very nature of impermanence is, you know, right up there with creativity's impermanence and life impermanence. You know, we have the ability to tap into that whenever we want. We're in the flow of this thing called life and it will never be as it is now. And that's actually, it's not as, it's not as doomsday as that may sound. <laughs> that's actually an exciting thing when you think about the fact that it opens you up to so many opportunities creatively that you can wake up one day with an entirely different set of ideas than you did the previous day. Mm -hmm. And one of those may be something that you truly feel passionate about. You get to choose which ones you act on and get endless opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing that's coming up for me is this idea of like the brave part of the blooming, right? that it seems like that in some sense that creativity and, and our like unfolding requires a bit of bravery. And so I guess my question to you is, um, like, how did you build that trust in yourself to show up to that creative practice and to create and to be messy and all that? The same way that one actually builds any practice like a meditation practice at first when you sit down your your brain won't quit thinking about things that are not meditation Mm -hmm. um and it's a constant effort to release those thoughts and refocus on your meditation or your breath 
Likewise, with creativity, when you first sit down, <laughs> at least for me, <laughs> the first thing that starts firing off are the negative inner mean girl thoughts that I have. And this happens for me at various stages. So if I haven't been writing as much, this voice will be a little louder. Um, so it's not something that, that I have eradicated permanently in my <laughs> existence. Trust me. <laughs> um, but the very first thing that I hear is that inner mean girl that we all have or inner mean person. It does not matter if it's a girl, but mine is a girl. Um, I haven't named her, but I probably should. Um, <laughs> just so I can talk back to her a little bit. <laughs> but um, she tells me over and over again, this, this is awful. This is, you know, not the level that you should be writing at. How dare you even think that you can do this? Um, all, the, all the fun, critical comments that we all think when we are not critiquing our work, but just beating ourselves down and telling ourselves that we can't. Yeah. So I think that the practice of creativity is sitting through that enough that that voice gets quieter, not goes away. Because sometimes uh, that voice is actually very valuable when you're mm -hmm. editing something, because then you can consult with that voice in a peaceful way and say, hey, now leave your attitude at the door, but what do you think about this line and can I change it? What would you do differently? But I think that a lot of my creative practice is making peace with that voice, but it comes from the, rep like the repetition of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just keep showing up. You know, when I think of that voice, you know, she's she's just wanting to protect you, right? Like mm -hmm. she's there trying to protect you from that, like fall on your face messiness <laughs> that maybe, you know, like, oh, we're going to show up and like people are going to think we're this fraud and whatever. She's just trying to keep us safe. And I love that, <laughs> that you call on her later, you know, when you have that sort of like safe container for her to come out and like, okay, I'm ready for yeah. you <laughs> to bring a little critique and, um, and in that sense, she's almost like, rather than the protection, you're leveraging her to, um, bring you up to your highest ability, right? I'm a firm believer that all of the phases of creativity have a purpose, but you really cannot mix them together. <laughs> <laughs> they are not supposed to go together. I don't think that she needs to exist in the room where I'm letting things just kind of unfold and, and express myself. Like she doesn't need to be in that room where I am just freely brainstorming and creating. She needs to be in the next room where I'm taking a look at what I just made and I'm asking those questions. So I think that by thinking of this as a person that is separate from myself, that is showing up in this way, then I feel like I have more control over how I interact with that, that voice. Whereas if you think of it as a part of yourself, you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just like cut this person, like cut this voice out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like it's more a part of you and therefore you can't rid yourself of it. Um, and I think that over time I've learned that, you know, you, you want these, these different you know, it sounds really crazy, but you want these different voices in your head helping you throughout all of these, these different phases. It's like, I have a different voice that shows up um, when I am promoting my work too. It's like my business hat that I put on. Um, 
And that person speaks very differently to me than any other person in, in the creative process. So mm -hmm. it's really, it's utilizing all of these different modes that you go into throughout all of this and allowing them to be okay and not judging them, not judging that harsh voice as it enters into the scene or tries to enter in the scene at that point to say, hey, I understand where you're coming from but I want to hold off on, on doing this and I want to get this idea completely down. Can we do that? And you negotiate with this, with this person in your head <laughs> and say, I'm going to open up the door for you and you can go wait in the next room. And when I'm ready, I'll bring you in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I often interact with that in my writing where like, you know, I try not to do any editing you know the first pass through like mm -hmm. there's this there's like this desire sometimes to like scratch this out oh yeah and do something new and I try to do that as little as possible like occasionally like I'll do that because like I write a word but then like a better word pops in you know and I cross it out whatever but in general it's yeah. like no I'm not gonna rewrite this whole sentence I'm just gonna push through in that second yeah piece if I do it late you know if I'm planning to like publish it or something and I look at it again later that's when I can like clean up right and, and I things. think that some people can bring uh I think that's like a higher higher advanced level is then you can start bringing this person in for a quick quick peek at the work mm -hmm. <laughs> and then kicking them out yeah, yeah. <laughs> um for me I know in the very beginning of my my songwriting when I was really getting serious about it and really buckling down and wanting to um, write every single day. That was my goal at the time. It was to write a song every day. And one of the things that I had to do first in order to accomplish that goal was to figure out how to just get through the idea, mm -hmm. even if it you know, wasn't exactly as I wanted it to be. And I think that that's when I kind of developed this method of, you know, this flowing through my ideas and then the more critical editing of my ideas. And I think that those stages are very important and helpful. I think as you get more comfortable with yourself and your own creativity, then you can switch between those modes a lot faster. And that just comes with practice. It's like mm -hmm. with anything, you're going to start off really slow and you're going to, you know, work through understanding how this process flows for you. But then when you are confident and comfortable with it, and it's not going to wreck your day to let that critical voice in a little bit more, then, then you can start bringing her in the room or, or this, you know, you can even think of this as like a non-binary creature. I don't care. It does not <laughs> matter. I just say her because that's what works for me. Yeah. Um, but then you can start bringing this, you know, this creature, this existence uh, beyond yourself into the room a lot sooner and in different stages. So it just sounds to me like you're at an advanced level where you can do that and still continue to create. Yeah. Cause I think the problem that I would run into in the past is like, you know, if we get to, if I get too caught up in that, like, this isn't quite right. Then I get stuck in the rest of the idea is lost or, you know, yes. like you lose the flow or it's like, I just yes. want to, like you were saying, sort of like get through the flow, let things flow through. And then yeah. Clean it up later. <laughs> yeah. Because I would have to say, um, nine times out of 10, when I'd speak to my other creative friends, the number one thing that they would tell me is that they could never finish ideas, um, that they were not good at completing what they were working on. Um, 
and that that was a really big problem in their creative lives that they they couldn't reach a point of completion with an idea or a story or a song and that they just keep this idea and hold on to it for for a long time and it would never reach the point of completion so i think for me the way that i tended to think about it was if i can just get the idea down and then i can move on from it then i can go back and edit it as many times as i want to edit it um but i just need to get something down and have something solid in order to release myself from this this kind of like trap this mental trap of i will never complete this or finish it i got this idea from a book called art and fear and in it he describes this pottery class in which the entire class was divided into two sections So the first section was just to work on one piece of pottery the entire semester. The second section was to work on as many, producing as many pieces of pottery as they potentially could. Mm -hmm. And what he discovered, this teacher discovered, fascinatingly enough, was that the better quality pottery came from the second group in which they were trying more and more and more and applying it. So that's what originally gave me the idea, like, okay, I'm just going to write and I'm going to show up every day for my writing because that's how we learn. And that's how we grow is, is allowing ourselves to be in the process. And I think that we, this is where the whole elitist idea of creativity really messes with our ability to uncover what is actually there in us is that we think and we're taught we think this because we are taught this is Mm -hmm. that we're just going to go into a room come out sounding like mariah carey write (laughs) a song like the beatles or we're nothing because that's the narrative that's the constant perpetual narrative that we are taught and that we are sold and marketed to and it's an interesting marketing point to sell art that way i mean of course who wouldn't want to like you know, hear about a story of this person that just came out with this talent. And then all of a sudden, this stuff just went like this for them. But it's the same story over and over again. And it's not the real story. Because if you actually speak to the artists themselves, whether it's Mariah Carey or the Beatles, they practice endlessly to get to that point and that level of comfortability with themselves and their creativity. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, there's a lot of books that have kind of uncovered this idea for me. Uh, another really great one I would recommend is Talent is Overrated. <laughs> and that one really like just tore the lid off of my idea that it was just about showing up and being talented because we put mm-hmm. this cap on ourselves when we think about it that way. Yeah. You know, we put this, this ceiling on ourselves like, well, I wasn't born sounding like this, so I never will. And automatically we give up. When in actuality, what would happen if that same person said, well, I wasn't born sounding this way, but what if I worked at it every day? I promise you they're going to get better. It's a muscle. Yeah. It's a muscle and creativity is the same way. It's like, you know, you, no one pops out of the womb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, An absolute competent developed artist. No one. I've never met one that would truly be a story to tell. Yeah. And even when you think of like, like prodigy kind of people, you know, it's not that they, you know, I, I've just, what popped in my mind was that, that show about chess, Queen's Gambit, you know, and like how she, I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, she's this, this amazing 
chess player, you know, and it's, and it seems like she just like shows up on the scene and she's amazing at chess. But the truth of the matter is she's been playing chess like every day mm-hmm. her whole childhood, you know, and you think of people like Einstein or whatever, like they've been working on these things from a very early time because they're so passionate and curious about and it. And they tell us this. That's the, that's the ironic part about this is if you go back and you read interviews with these people, they actually tell you this. Yeah. They actually tell you that they were no good at what they were doing. We just laugh at that and go, oh, that's just, you know, a funny little humility, <laughs> bit of humility there. Yeah. But they were actually being serious. Like they didn't feel like they were any good at this. And maybe somebody else around them told them they weren't. They just decided that this mattered enough for them to sit down and do the work um, that it takes to get to the level. I know that Lizzo, who I absolutely love her voice and I love her energy and the message that she spreads. She, in an interview said that she, when she first started singing, she was absolutely terrible at it. Now, when we hear her hit those notes now, we, we would never think that. Right. You would never sit there thinking, oh, I bet when she was 16, she really stunk at this. <laughs> no, you don't think that because that's not the story that, you know, a label wants to tell or any kind of marketing firm would like us to know. They do kind of want to add this bit of magical mystery around creativity because then that becomes a rare product to push a certain way. And it is rare because it's coming through her. Yeah. And no one can create like she does. That's the rare part. Yeah. Like when I say rare gem, I don't mean that creativity is rare or talent is rare. I mean, your creativity is, is rare. Like your expression of that is rare because it's never going to exist in the world again. Mm. It's never going to. You could have two twins and they're going to approach something completely different. Two siblings will approach something completely different. Yeah. You know, I, and that's, that's the rare and the unique part to me. Mm-hmm. Just soaking that in. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to someone who wants to get more in touch with their creativity and wants to sort of break through that fear of messing up or not being good enough or whatever, or like what, what should they do? I think the first step is to decide what your goal is going to be because a goal to me is an anchor Mm. and it keeps you, it keeps you moving when otherwise you might not. So for me, my goal was that I wanted to write a song every day. Now it doesn't have to look lofty um, to anybody else. It's just something that is enough of a stretch for you that you feel like you can do it, but that it will challenge you and it will stretch you. So say you are somebody who has not used creative expression at all but you want to start writing, maybe start by sitting down and writing in um, like a, a sentence a day journal. So that is something that may be a stretch goal. So I think first anchor yourself with a goal. And then I think the second step in my, in my mind is active awareness as you move through that process, that this is about mindfulness and it's not about the outcome of this goal. It really isn't. It's about engaging with the process and seeing what comes up for you, because that is a much more important thing to accomplish in this time than any product would ever be, than any one song, than any idea that you have 
or any book that you have, if you can learn how to master the process of hearing your thoughts, moving through them, still committing to focusing on the goal. A lot of it is just about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's breathing through the critical voices. It's breathing through the distractions. It's breathing through whatever society ideas we have in place about creativity and just allowing yourself to do it in small increments over time. Um, because I think a lot of the time we think that it has to look like I'm going to write a symphony and then, tomorrow. then we, yeah, tomorrow. And it better be the best thing ever. Otherwise I I'm horrible and I stink and I give up. No, just write a note, mm-hmm. <laughs> write a note of the symphony or write a word down in your journal. It may seem like it is not accomplishing anything, but what it's actually doing is getting you comfortable and creating that safe space because for you to truly make work that moves you and that you feel proud of, the first step is you have to have that sense of safety. And for me, I do those things best when I have a goal in mind, because then I take the focus on like off of myself and onto that goal. And then when I'm allowing myself to be mindful and very present through it and showing up every day definitely helps. It really does because then it just becomes a habit. Even if it's five minutes, I think that we tend to think that anything that we do needs to be an hour or two Mm -hmm. hours or like blocked out like that. It does not yeah. The best writing I've ever done in my life, I did it in like 20 minutes. And it's because when you have that sense of safety, then all of a sudden it's easy for you to, it's easy for you to unfold. It's like if you have a best friend and you guys need to, to call and catch up over everything that's happened in the last week and a half. If you have that sense of rapport with them, it's going to be easy for you to do it very quickly. <laughs> if you're speaking yeah. to, a, to somebody that maybe is a new friend or a stranger, it's going to be a lot more difficult because first you have to determine how, how far to go, how much you trust them, where those boundaries are. You know, there's a lot of, of internal work that goes into that and it's very laborious and it's tiresome. So creating that sense of safety, I would say, is the very first step. However you need to do it, light a candle, make a cup of coffee, make it a date with yourself. It does not matter what it looks like. It just matters that it works for you. As you were talking, I was thinking about um, sort of the comparison of expectations between sports and creativity. You know, when you think of sports, like you have like your events where you are expected to show up and do your best, right? Yes. But in between those events, you have your practices Yes, where you're just, you know, trying to make improvements, trying new things, stretching yourself, and you don't necessarily have to show up as your best in those spots. But yet with creativity, we seem to expect that every time we sit down, we're at an (laughs) event. Yes. Right. As opposed to like, it's my practice. You know, when I think about what you said about writing a song every day, that's 365 songs. And even if like only 10 of them were amazing, that would be awesome, right? You'd have like an album in a year, right? That's, I mean, that's how people do it. And that's the thing is it's like, um, you know, some of those songs are about donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've actively written a song about craving donuts before. Um, and it's understandable like, donuts are yeah, delicious. <laughs> I mean, that was my entire pandemic theme in 2020 was craving donuts. And I wrote a song <laughs> about it. And I honestly need to share that one because I've had a lot of people request it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had this kind of like um, 
joke with my my family and friends who have heard it that this is going to be the one that catapults me. <laughs> you know, that is going to be the donut song. <laughs> Which awesome. is just, you know, and that's not even the goal for me, but it's just, it's so funny to think about that because I think that we really do our best work when we are relaxed yeah. and and when we allow ourselves to just be, and it's absolutely right. Like I think, um, and there are a lot of comparisons, I think, between creating and competing. And I think that that's where a lot of us get tripped up mentally. Mm-hmm. I think that we are taught very much so that we have to be the best or our work means little. And that message is reinforced. You know, we do treat the business of creativity as though it is a sport. You know, we have competitions for it. We have award ceremonies for it. We have charts for it. We have ways of tracking who sold the most and who did the best, but that's, you know, that's separate. It's just popularity. It's not, yeah, that doesn't necessarily say anything about you because there's probably like that, you know, that small group of people out there that just think, you're exactly what they want, what they need, Mm -hmm. what they need to hear, what they need to feel when they listen to you or see you, whatever. And furthermore, imagine being that for yourself first. Mm. I think that's what the gift of creativity truly is because I think the happiest, most creative, fulfilled moments in my life is when I wrote something and it, and that song saw me fully like it just saw me where I was and that sounds like a strange phrase to say about a song like (laughs) like that I'm staring at it going oh we see each other that sounds a little narcissistic but what what I mean by that is that I truly said what I felt and I showed up as the human that I was in that moment and it didn't matter if anyone else saw that I felt like I held myself in that moment And I think that's the true gift of it. And then everything else is just a choice and what you want to do with it beyond that point. And I think that's the gift of a creative practice is is feeling like you have a better relationship with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Cause I, as, as you were explaining that, I was just thinking about the times when I felt that same thing, you know, where like something that I've written, it just feels like it so captures what's on my heart or, you know, and, Mm. um, and in a way that I think like, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about creativity, but sometimes I feel like it's not me. It's like something working through me. And so then I like read those words and I don't feel like I wrote them, but I feel like they just are so true. Yeah. They poured out of you. And I think I, I completely agree with that. I do feel like it's tapping into something greater. And I feel like it is a very spiritual practice to me. Yeah. And I feel like it is tapping into our greater heart as humanity, mm-hmm. you know, in this exact moment in time. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to exist at birth for that to be magical. <laughs> just it's like we don't need to write that narrative anymore with creativity like it just it already is a beautiful process no matter when it happens um because it is us tapping into our own humanity and I think that the times that something has comforted me the most it's when it really sees 
the fullness of what that means, Mm -hmm. the compassion and the struggle and those, it almost says the thoughts that we all have, but don't always share. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I really love about doing this podcast is being able to like share the awesome things that people are doing, like when I do these interviews. And so I'm just curious if you have anyone whose work you feel has been super supportive to you in blooming bravely that you want to like give a shout out to. I would say over this past year, I really benefited from the work of Catherine McKenzie Smith. She is um, a fellow BICA coach who I truly love. Um, And she's just Uh, I don't even have the words to describe her. I just feel as though she understands um, sensitive, introverted, artistic people so incredibly well. And she's actually, this, this sounds despicable to say, but she's actually the first person who got me to read Big Magic because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hadn't read it yet. There's just so many great books on creativity. I hadn't gotten to it yet, but it had been on my list for a while and she encouraged me to read it. Um, And it had a pretty transformative um, effect on my viewpoint of myself Mm. and how I was going to pursue creativity moving forward. Because I think that we have to continuously reapply some of these ideas and lessons because the opposite is being blasted every day in our, in our faces. So it's nice to find these books that then kind of like anchor you back in. And I think part of what she does in her coaching that is so powerful is that she's just extraordinarily good at understanding what role energy plays in all of this and how you can show up one day and your energy is going to be completely different than another day that it's not linear. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, she's probably one of the last coaches that I can think of. That's just truly it's almost like you feel coached after being coached. The effect (laughs) is just, just ever giving. Mm. Um, So I would say in the coaching realm that she's definitely somebody that I have a high level of respect for and have benefited a lot from working with. Um, In the musical realm, I feel like there's just so many good resources and teachers now that it's just absolutely endless. Um, In the creativity realm, I have just been so unbelievably impressed with uh, the work of Eric Maisel, who is a coach that trained me in a group to be a creativity coach. And he has a lot of really amazing books and material on creativity coaching. And then Amy from Inspired to Write is one of those people that I just Mm. constantly go to if I need my own pep talk on creativity (laughs) because she just has such a soulful approach. I think that she just gets what it takes on a soul level, on a deeply emotional level to show up and do this work. She's very in touch and comfortable with her emotions as a creator and it shines through her work that she shares about creativity and I think that sometimes in our newly, newly defined version of what creativity means, it can look like content creators. And that has some bridge over into like hustle culture and productivity culture. And those two things can get very much caught up in each other and ruin, in my opinion, the, the parts of creativity that benefit me personally the most. And I feel like she kind of helps me fight 
uh, that mm-hmm. in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> She's very good at reminding me that it's not about that, that it's just about showing up and doing what I can. I think she's the person who in 2020 and the um, going through everything that we we're going through with all of the changes really helped me lean back into my practice of morning pages, which has deeply informed um, my entire you know, year. And I, I believe well into this next year of how I will approach things and just helped me get a lot more grounded Mm. and really survive during that time period. So there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love people who talk creativity. So it's (laughs) it's kind of hard not to name people, but I would say um, in that realm, like Eric Basil and Amy have just been invaluable resources to me personally. And I use their teachings all the time with myself and with people that I work with. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to add those in the show notes so that people can for sure. connect. Well, thank you so much, Louise, for spending this time with me. It was wonderful. Thank you. I feel, I feel just so fulfilled after this conversation, Kim, but I'm not surprised. I knew I would be. So thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for joining me in the Garden of Belonging. I'm so grateful you've chosen to spend your precious time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and tell friends about it. Your efforts support me in reaching more people. Be sure to also check the show notes for ways to connect further with me and my guests. Until next time, I'm wishing you trust in your inherent belonging.